0: Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode.
1: With you tonight, it's Aria, Nikki, and Bonnie. This UFO thing has been telegraphed for at least two years, may, maybe longer. And of course, you got uh, conspiracy theorists who look at, talk about Project Blue Beam and things along those lines. But the mainstream media, uh, the government, the whatever you want to call the apparatus that controls the power in the world they have been very clearly laying the groundwork to prepare just the people in the united states for the reality of extraterrestrial life i don't know how else to look at it between the ufos that were being testified about by the pentagon by the u.s navy by the u.s air force
2: the ones that were supposedly shot down in canada and then we just stopped hearing about it in like january i don't remember those it was during the same exact time as the quote-unquote, Chinese air balloon. Oh,
1: that's convenient.
2: Yeah, it was like all in the same week.
1: There's definitely been a lot of them over the last few years. A number of hearings before Congress in regard to UFOs and various military people coming. I say, hey, look, we study the skies for a living. Like, that's what you pay us to do. And we don't know what these things are we don't think they came from earth or we don't think humans crashed at them or whatever some of them say we think they came from other dimensions some of them from outer space they don't know right no it's just here's something flying around in our airspace in 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 human's airspace i mean and we don't know what it is yeah
3: i mean i think the first recorded ufo sighting was in the 50s right it, and for
1: you it know it depends on what you mean by recorded because like there's
3: well, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's, like, cave paintings and stuff, but I guess, like, modern yeah. day, that was, Was you that know... the one in
2: New Hampshire? Was that New Hampshire? There was... I know like, there one was the one biggest... in New Hampshire, but... Yeah, it was, like, a man and woman, like, w- husband and wife. I don't know what year that was, though.
3: For some reason, I thought there was another one that was out west, hmm. but I don't know, like, whatever, which one was the first one, but obviously, you know, when that first started happening, it was, w- like... You know, the government or what was trying to discredit it like, no, these people are crazy. So it's just so interesting to me that now recently within the past two years, like you mentioned, it's, you know, I mean, Biden just mentioned it so nonchalantly like, oh, yeah, UFOs, whatever. It's like what you guys have been trying to discredit this for the past 70 years at least. And now all of a sudden it's just like, oh, obviously there's aliens
1: well it's difficult to believe them right it's in, in any capacity it's difficult to believe them and like yes they they seem to have been lying about the existence of extraterrestrials at least since roswell and mm-hmm. i i don't know what happened at Roswell, but for those who don't know, and the the story about Roswell is something crashed out there in the desert, and the I think it was the county sheriff went to investigate because one of the neighbors called in and was like, "Hey, something fell from the sky out here and It appears that there's somebody alive out here. Hmm. So the sheriff went out there, if I remember correctly, the sheriff testified to having seen a body or whatever. But anyway, they were all like, this is an extraterrestrial craft. We found a UFO, guys. This is the U.S. military. One of the branches came out and said that, if I remember correctly. And I may not remember correctly, and I didn't research it like you would expect someone, a professional, to have done. And then they came out the very next day and said, oh, no, wait, we were wrong, guys. That wasn't a UFO. Mm-hmm. That was a weather balloon. A weather so, balloon and weather
3: that's, that's what I was thinking of. So that happened in 1947.
1: Yes, and that's completely crazy. Like, how do you go from UFO to weather balloon in the spent... Like, when they said it was a UFO, they said that with, like, conviction, right? Yeah. Like, they weren't somewhat unsure. They're like, this is a UFO. We got a UFO. And then there was other reports about people finding a body... They got vanished and it's just, we don't know what happened at Roswell, but that's the earliest example I can think of where the United States started lying. And mm-hmm. as soon as, as soon as nuclear technology began developing, from what I've heard of these people who watch, who allegedly watch extraterrestrial crafts for a living, they seem to be drawn toward nuclear facilities for whatever reason. Oh yeah.
2: And Bigfoots too. Oh yeah. Yeah. And lots then, of people who work there, uh, report seeing them in the CTV cameras or whatever they're called, the cameras.
1: Yeah. And they don't seem to care whether something is water or atmosphere or air. And that's one of the things that I find most fascinating about some and most compelling about some of these videos is that they treat water in exactly the same way as, you know, we would expect to treat air. as so though it's not there. Intelligence officials say that the United States has retrieved craft of non-human origins. And this isn't entirely new, right? This goes back to what we were just talking about with Roswell and the allegations. But this is... A former intelligence official telling Congress straight up, you now, like, you have to be committed to Like It's one thing for these astronauts to go, I, you know, I'm sick of only making $80,000 a year, whatever. I'm going to write a book about how NASA's covering up aliens and mm-hmm. I'm going to make a few million dollars and retire. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. But to testify before Congress, well, you're committing perjury mm-hmm. if you're lying. You can lie in a book and no one's really going to care for the most part. But you can't lie to Congress. That's a crime. So when a former intelligence official comes out and says, oh, yeah, hey, guys, to Congress, we have these extraterrestrial crafts, that's worth a lot more to me than some astronaut writing a book. So this former intelligence official turned whistleblower has given Congress the and the intelligence community inspector general extensive classified information about covert programs that he says possess retrieved intact and partially intact craft of non-human origin. And these things are flying around the skies throughout the world, not just the United States. And as I've heard, it's difficult to know what to believe, but the United States military has a policy of not engaging these crafts and to just sort of ignore them because every time they tried to engage them, it was just painfully clear very quickly that the U.S. military was like out completely outmatched, oh, as yeah. you would expect, like— it can just vanish if it wants to. The information that this whistleblower says has been illegally withheld from Congress, and he filed a complaint alleging that he suffered illegal retaliation for his confidential disclosures, reported here, the debrief.org, for the first time. Other intelligence officials, both active and retired, with knowledge of these programs through their work in various agencies, have independently provided similar corroborating information both on and off the record. So it's not just one whistleblower here. It's multiple whistleblowers. Have either of you read the book Project Blue Beam? No, I have no, not.
2: I know basically what it is. It's like, oh, the government's gonna come out with I mean, I totally believe it. I'm not trying to make fun of it. Um I mean I would totally believe it. I don't believe it without right. having proof. But um it basically is like the government has the technology to kind of like make a hologram in the in the sky that looks very real and and therefore, they're going to show us that and tell us it's aliens and then make us uh, do things like the uh, basically 9-11, like, oh, you have to give us more of your freedoms away so we can protect you from the alien terrorists.
1: Sort of. But one of the things that the people who you know promote Project Blue Beam is something to be concerned about the gloss over is the fact that the entire thing was apocalyptic and Christian motivated. The entire thing is like, this is how the Antichrist is going to come back. And it, it very much comes at it from that perspective that. It's not the government that's the problem here. It's the mm-hmm. devil. And the devil is doing all of this. The devil is creating these holograms and misleading people. The U.S. military does all this stuff, and they don't apparently tell Congress about it. And Congress's job, sort of, is to be told about this stuff that the military is doing.
2: But why? Like, even when he was, at the beginning, when you were saying he was denied the ability to talk to Congress about it, I was like, but what's what, what's there to gain from talking to Congress about it?
1: I, I don't think there's any... well.
2: Is it like effectively like going public? That's like the only way to go public or something? Because I can't see why you'd want to talk to those idiots. I mean, that's
1: certainly one way of going public, but I don't think it's it's the only way, but he's... (laughs) He's going to get more credibility if he talks to Congress versus just writing a book about it, right? Mm, Which yeah. yeah, or going to the media. Yeah, and those are really the only options he has here. And, you know, in the mythology of these people where they believe that the government is this great and wondrous thing, you know, they they want to tell to the government, hey, these people over here are doing something bad. Yeah, you know? that,
2: that's probably what it is. He probably thinks, like, oh, they're going to do something about this if I tell Congress they'll do something about it.
1: I suspect that's what he was thinking. And, of course, I mean, they— they seem to be trying to for whatever reason, I mean not for whatever reason, for in their own defense under new protective provisions of the latest defense appropriations bill. So they wrote in the the the, the, Depart- the defense appropriations bills that they release every year, the latest one includes devi- provisions designed to protect whistleblowers from, you know, retaliation and crap like that. But if you're it didn't seem to do this guy any good because he's been hiding this for years. And there's countless reports, so quote, the men in black and stuff visiting people. And who knows what parts of this are made up and what parts aren't. We're probably never going to know. For many decades, the Air Force carried out a disinformation campaign to discredit reported sightings of unexplained objects. Now, with two public hearings and many classified briefings under its belt, Congress is asking for answers. Carl Nell, a recently retired army colonel, blah blah blah, characterizes Grush as beyond reproach, and that seems to be all they had to say. They, so they asked some army colonel what his thoughts were about this this guy who exposed the truth, allegedly. And he's like, "Oh, well, he he's horrible. He's beyond reproach." Because, of course, that's what a U.S. Army colonel would think, right? Mm. This guy, they, they think the same thing of Edward Snowden and mm-hmm. Julian Assange. Like, it's their job to protect the state and the status quo and to be angry at anyone who reveals the state's secrets, especially military secrets. They're all about that crap.
2: Yeah, I feel pretty sad about that, like, 20-year-old who's going to prison forever for putting something in a chat server. Oh, is he? I don't know if it's prison forever, but he's definitely in big trouble.
1: Yeah, and that was—I've already forgotten his name. But it's a crazy
2: was, name, so I forgot.
1: He was bragging on a Discord server about having military clearance or something. No, that
2: he—that he is somehow new information that there were American boots on the ground in Ukraine. It and feels he, like
1: that kid was set up.
3: Either way, that's a dumb thing to do. It's a dumb thing to yeah. do,
2: but it's really sad to like. Yeah, no, it his is life. sad because
1: you should be able to say whatever you want.
2: Yeah, I don't know.
1: I don't think the government should be allowed to have secrets. Right. No. neither. So that's where I come from. But it's on for
3: that. your safety. It's to protect. You know, it's to protect the greatest country in
1: the world. I don't it's for think your own good. they need secrets in order to protect me. I know they think they do, but that's just because they like it's to protect having themselves. secrets.
2: It's not to protect us.
1: A number of well-placed, current, and former officials have shared detailed information with me regarding this alleged program, said Christopher Mellon. Who spent nearly 20 years in the U.S. intelligence community. However, it's a delicate matter, getting these potentially explosive, getting this potentially explosive information into the right hands for validation. This is made harder by the fact that, rightly or wrongly, a number of potential sources do not trust the leadership of the all-domain anomaly. Res- Good God. Why do they have to include the full names of all of these bureaucracies every single time the all domain anomaly resolution office established by Congress like dude, yeah, what does I, that even mean yeah it, it that those are the people that were established by Congress to research this stuff or to to catalog it and keep records of all of the investigations into UFOs I was just scanning this for like keywords and stuff this next paragraph, I swear to God it's half keywords the United States intelligence community with a top secret clearance who currently works for the national air and space intelligence center where the analysis of unidentified aerial phenomena has been his focus. Previously, he had experience serving private aerospace, the department of defense, special directive task forces like dude, do they know how little I care about this crap? I can't even, I want to talk about this. This is a fascinating subject, right? Like this dude went before Congress and said, Hey, they have alien aircrafts over here. And like, they're trying to reverse engineer them and stuff and instead from what we what we get from debrief is just a rambling list of government organizations that no yeah. one gives a damn yeah. is- about
3: real information I don't, it's, it just feels like
1: fluff after pork fest right like literally 2 days after pork fest i have to go to prison so i and i do have that monday and i'm always on the show on monday night so it depends on where i'm going to be stationed at yeah, I say stationed where I'm going to be imprisoned at on whether I'm not on whether I'm going to be on the show that Monday night or just like calling in or doing it you know, remotely, if that's possible. I, I don't know. Right. Like if if they put me in prison in somewhere like Oregon or California or something, then I have two options of getting a, a plane ticket out there and arriving there. On, That'd be so you crazy. have to buy your own plane ticket. Well, the alternative is to be handcuffed inside of a bus for 12 hours a day oh. over the course of weeks while yeah. they slowly transport me there. Oh, so, no. yeah, all That's things. Creepy. That was something I had never thought about. Yeah, I either. would
3: never. Yeah, I'd.
1: No, uh, someone within the system made me aware of this that, you know, it, it, my options are going to be to have them take me there or to take myself there of my own accord. And, like, between those two things, the, the bus for 12 hours a day, and then you end up having to wait a week in Colorado or whatever in some local gringy county tale while you wait on some other bus to arrive to take you the rest of the journey. Just It sounds like an absolutely miserable experience. Yeah. And there's no... I mean, the judge said, hey, put Aria somewhere in, in New England. But what the judge says doesn't matter. So They're, who decides this? The, the Bureau of Prisons. Oh. Yeah, the judge does and there's no accountability right this is what surprised me but the judge said well, yes but it's not like the judge is going to follow up to make sure they did yeah. the right thing and even if even if they the judge did follow up all they have to say is well look we we looked at things and we decided that you know this prison in Colorado was the best fit for Aria. so that's where we that's where we put her and What's the judge going to do about it? Grant me freedom because he doesn't like where I was in prison? No. I mean, that would be good. That checks out for me, and that's going to be it. So, And, of course, I don't have any further updates. Every single day, someone asks me, do you have any updates yet? And I I look at the timer I have where I think it clicked down to 19 full days remaining and then a number of hours a little while ago. And, like, I wish I had information. The obvious question that people are asking me is, are you going to... Go to a men's prison or a women's prison. Well, I don't know. It's the and government. When will you find that out? Like right before? Pretty much right before. Yeah. Like I, an hour before? No. At some point during. Uh, at some point during Pork Fest. Right. Yay. Because that's what I wanted. The U.S. Marshals will contact me. Okay, that sounds fun. <laughs> no. It. I, you're right. And they will do this, thankfully, via telephone. Okay. So. I don't have to worry about the U.S. marshals showing up to Pork yeah, Fest. Buzzkill. Yeah, that that would be amusing in itself, but no, that's not. The, apparently, they're yeah, going they don't want to do that. No. And I, I I heard this. I was like, look, man, to my attorney, can can we skip that part and like not have that happen? Can we instead just they call you, and, yeah. <laughs> and you call me? But no, that's not the way it works. Uh, the attorney's pretty much removed from the equation entirely at this point. Yeah, but like there's nothing further. He can do? No. So anyway, no no new information, and I don't expect any new information. It's the government. They're, they're not in a hurry to do anything. They were given two months to do this, and they're going to wait until the last minute, and that's when they're going to do it, and they're going to make a rash decision. They don't care. They're going to do whatever is easiest and most convenient for them because they're government employees, and they don't have to do anything except the minimum, and that's what they're going to do. If it's easiest for them to host me here... In a women's prison, then that's what they'll do. If it's easier to throw me in Alaska in a men's prison, then that's what they'll do. Major, you're on Free Talk Live.
0: Hey, there you go.
1: Hey, what's on well, your I mind tonight?
0: I hope this, I hope this doesn't happen to you as it happened to me. I wanna bump in on the aliens too before we're all done. But anyway, um I got shanghaied by the feds a while back. And I had like I don't know, four or five thousand dollars in my pocket. Well, they don't like it when you got a bunch of commissary money. They want you to be dependent on them. So I only had probably, I think I did nine months once, and then I got probation. And then they had such an accurate piss test that I violated probation by having a beer four days later.
1: So I'm curious about this, and I haven't looked into it. Like, the initial process of getting money into commissary seems like it's probably a bit difficult because you need that money to get stamps and, you know, write letters and to contact people and all of that crap. But you don't want to borrow that. You don't want to borrow a stamp for someone in prison. You don't want to borrow anything from anyone in prison. So are you you allowed to take in, like, 50 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever with you and have that put on your commissary?
0: Uh, yes, but the problem is, what they did to me is they make like seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars every time they transport you from one prison to another.
1: Oh, they make a lot of money with that, and and with uh, the commissary thing in general. Um, th- there was an article that I wanted to get into like a year ago, or maybe I don't, know, maybe it You're was a year ago. No, I'm so just, they, I'm just fleshing out what you're saying because it, I thought we were having a I
0: conversation. I just had a question about it yeah. because I never heard I'm that. I'm trying to tell you what I expect is going to be your situation. What they do is they transport you about every two, three months, so your commissary money never ever catches up with you. Or if it does, it's for a couple of weeks, and they bump you out again. That's I think, the first... I, got tra- I think I got transported six different times in less than a year.
1: That's awful. I, I think that's the first story I've heard, though, of someone being regularly transported.
2: Me too. Also, um, another thing I've heard, which obviously every human being is different, so every like guard and warden or whatever is going to be different. But I heard that usually they're nicer to people. They get a lot of letters, a lot of people putting money into their commissary and stuff because it's like it humanizes you in a way so they see you more as someone who... Oh they like have friends outside of here. Unless you're like an a-hole to them and you have friends, they probably won't like that. But
3: isn't that so sad that you need like they're not humanizing people already? Right. You know? Like
2: I well, I worked with
3: people prisoners. in a healthcare setting that were, you know, previously um CEOs and you can tell like even the way they treat some of the patients, it's like like you're treating them like prisoners. You know? Like and I have like reminded people before like, "Hey, this isn't prison like this is a healthcare facility.
1: Stop. Well, the Stanford prison experiment, you know, gives us some insight into why that yeah. happens. It it causes them to cre- to have this us and them mentality mm-hmm. when and them ceases to be human. You know, they're, they're not in our group. They're not part of us. We're better than them. We literally have yeah. authority over them, so we can abuse them as we want. Luckily, from all this from all the stuff I've read, the federal system is a lot better than any of the state systems. Mm. So there's at least that. But if you had to choose, it seems to me like prison in one of these European countries would be significantly better. Like, like some of these have prisons that are basically just hotels. And they, they look like they might actually be pleasurable to stay at.
2: I heard that one that Assange that was really bad, though. I think it was Spain-
1: Mm, likely. Well, I mean, all of the European oh, Union states are different, so it
2: wasn't uh, Assange. It was the one that M- McAfee died in. It was like a really oh, bad.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, he died there, and you know, his wife still has not received his body. There still has not been. So sad. I don't think she's been given the details of the autopsy. She was tweeting about this recently, but yeah, her husband, you know, died mysteriously in jail in Europe, and she still doesn't have the body. It's been. Yeah, she doesn't believe than he killed 700 himself. Days right now.
2: Yeah, and she doesn't. She said immediately, like he didn't kill himself, and she hasn't changed her stance on that as far as I've seen.
1: Right, because he, you know, insisted that he wouldn't kill himself. He made mm-hmm. a cryptocurrency called Whacked. Yeah, so I mean, like. <laughs> I mean, it, it would be a great troll if you if you intended to kill yourself in jail to make the entire world believe that you didn't. Like, except if you're if you're an agent of chaos. Yeah. I, I, I except to troll your happened, wife. But that you John love.
2: McAfee was yeah. an agent of chaos. Yeah, like he's he was. Unless she was in on it, I guess. Well, I don't know. It's so dark and crazy. It, it is, but he was an
1: agent of chaos in a way that, like, I'm looking at it going, like, man, maybe tone it down a bit. <laughs> but I don't. I don't know. All right. Yep. Yeah.
0: I I can tell you one story of a U.S. marshal that I met who was actually a good man. When I got violated on my probation, he showed up with this uh, local cop. And this local cop, I mean, he had his, you you know how some of them wear them lead knuckle gloves and whatnot? This is one of them guys who just like to kick butt. And he actually accused me of stealing the TV that I possessed in my little motel room there because I have been out such a short. And, uh, well, I I told him exactly what it costs, because I had just bought one a year before when I was in my, you know, free state. But um, anyway, so this U.S. Marshal that had come with this jamoke, he ends up doing the transport with me to the federal institution. And we get to talking, and I tell him my story about how I got all hemmed up and whatnot. And I'm wearing an old leather flight jacket from vietnam and i said this is about the last thing i got that my old man left me and i said i'm gonna be damn well heartbroken if i lose this well he went back to my motel room he got that my tv a half dozen other things that might have been a damn to me and he mailed them back to my son
1: and i've never cared for country like when i was a kid obviously i listened to country
2: but that's exactly how i am i can't Help that I grew up in Tennessee, partially, and my friends listen to country music and stuff, but my parents never listen to country music. Well, actually, my dad has listened to some country music, but my mom hates country music, and my dad's not, like, a big country music guy, and, uh, yeah, I mostly not listened to See, country it's music. funny
3: because I'm the opposite because I grew up in the north and my I mean my dad's like a rock and roll classic rock guy and my mom's always been like a pop music girl so I never grew up with country so I and I hated okay. country I was like it all sounds the same like I just did not like country and then I went to California went to a bar where there was line dancing and ever since then I, I came back and it was funny because Matt even noticed it because he likes country and whenever he would play country, I'd be like, I hate this, turn it off. Like, adamantly, like I would get angry and be like, turn it off. And now he makes fun of me because I love country now. There are some so it's just female so
2: singers only, like Casey Musgraves. I love her so much that she's country. Um, and then I have a lot of, like, uh, what's the word where you don't want people to know you like this like a, thing? Like a guilty s- pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Carrie Underwood. And, um,. Marin Morris just I don't know I have a lot of like music that I know is kind of crap but I like it and it's nostalgic like uh, Carrie Underwood Mm -hmm. but I don't like just love it I I definitely will never listen to a country music song by a man I just don't find that fun
1: I don't know I just don't find a lot about country music that's interesting with that said I haven't really listened to it and I I I don't know that I've even listened I I honestly don't remember the last time I even heard a country song If if I heard any country song, it was one of Taylor Swift. I was gonna
2: say Taylor Swift country music is way better than Taylor Swift pop music, in my opinion.
1: See, I like her pop music a lot better, but that but that's probably because I just don't like country in general. Yeah. But anyway, we're both heavy metal fans, and I recently discovered a new band called uh, Not Enough Space. They released a new song called No Way Out that is just freaking awesome, and it's not. They're not a known band, right? They. When I first found the song, it had like 20,000 total listens, and they had 15,000 monthly listeners, and they're still only at like 60,000 monthly listeners, where if you compare them to someone like Lacuna Coil or whatever, not the most popular band, but still getting millions of monthly listens, it's just surprising to me how much music there actually is out there, and this is why I want to strangle Mark Edge from the show, because he only listens to talk radio, because the all the music that's ever been recorded I, I don't remember exactly how he put it but he basically asserted that there's no new music out there right like
3: yeah well it, and the it, thing it's is, all the
1: same or whatever if you're
3: listening to music on the radio i was gonna make the same point like that's that's the thing like yeah it's gonna be repetitive if you listen to a like, classic rock station they've been playing the same 15 songs since i've been alive yeah but yeah. if you well. have like apple music or even youtube if you use the internet to listen to music you will realize, I mean, even just in the genre of classic rock, because that is my favorite genre of music, I am constantly finding new music, discovering new artists, even within that genre that has, is you know has essentially been extinct since the eighties, right? So and pl- well, yeah, the songs
1: that the radio didn't play when yeah, you were growing like, up. Like Golden Earring had more than the one song.
2: Yeah. And there's just so many different genres. Then just like, of course, there's like the popular version of each genre. Like there's probably like a popular metal. I don't know. Like that is mainstream. And there's mainstream.
1: Disturbed probably would be the closest to that. Yeah.
2: And that would probably play on, that would play on the radio. But there, and then there's like pop that wouldn't play on the radio. And everyone thinks like all pop is just what plays on the radio. So of course you're going to be like, I hate pop. If you listen to what's on the radio, I hate what's on the radio. And I'm a pop music connoisseur.
1: Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Uh, it's Stefan. Ah, Stefan. What's on your mind tonight? Are you going uh, to Park Fest? Of course yes, you are. Yes,
4: I am, and that's and that's what I wanted to talk about actually. Um, so, I really appreciate um, that uh, that uh, Dennis has stepped up um, and all the work that he's done and all that. But uh, I think that where I draw the line is where you uh, ban one of my good friends for mm-hmm. uh, no discernible reason.
2: Free Mikey. Um,
1: are yeah. you referring to Mikey? Well, it's unclear to Mikey. whether or not Mikey has been banned. And when we asked him this direct when we asked him that question directly here on Free Talk Live Monday night, we did not get a straight answer.
2: He was acting like a politician. He wouldn't give a straight answer on anything.
1: And from what I saw, Mikey was told you are not welcome here. And I realize some people say that this is splitting hairs, but saying you're not welcome here is not the same as saying you're not allowed here. Yeah.
4: And this well, is the impo- actual screen the actual screenshot that he sent me said you are not welcome here, and we right. will make sure that Rogers refunds your campsite.
3: Oh, so that sounds like you can't come
1: to but, me. Right, right. but that's not what they said. Uh, yeah. It's you are not welcome here, and I'm not welcome at the Republican Cheshire County meetings. Yeah, it doesn't mean you can't go. But, but I can go, right? I'm not yeah. banned. I'm allowed there, but I'm not welcome. And they've made that clear as well. So it's like, if Dennis wants to ban Mikey... He should say you're not allowed. Maybe not You're not welcome.
2: Maybe that's why he won't answer it straight because maybe he's working on that and he knows he doesn't really have because he doesn't have the power to unilaterally ban a person himself. He but, also I mean, doesn't have a good reason
1: to though. But he does, well, and that, that's really without
2: Constance. He was the one saying Constance is in charge. Once uh, what's his uh? Once Pork Fest starts,
1: con- the relationships are. Are difficult, but as I understand it, if Dennis, as organizer of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, he was to go to you know Crosby, the owner of Rogers Camp, going to say, "Hey, look, you know, I'm the person running this festival, and I don't want those people here anymore." I think Crosby would say, "All right, well, but I'm talking about here.
2: to the like Free State Project. Would they just allow that? Like, they had to have a whole board vote on Campwell and Ian."
4: I don't know. Well, I mean, aside from the fact that Mikey's a good friend of mine, and I think uh, personally he's a pork fest staple. Um, I just don't like there being like a system where one person um, can either unilaterally make someone feel unwelcome or straight up ban them um, without there being an objective set of criteria. Um, because I think one of the things that Mikey laid out that I really agree with is that like, hey, you know, you're, bi- you're like banning or, you know, making this person feel unwelcome uh, for basically trolling you and, you know, because you don't like him. Uh, meanwhile, we're, like, letting somebody that has threatened to murder parents because they disagree with the way that their kids are being raised. Like, like I, I don't know. That just doesn't seem like an objective uh, criteria. Oh, yeah. it's uh, so yeah, and, 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 and not. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm not even a fan of banning Maj per se, but, like, you know, we should have, like, an objective standard. It makes no sense to ban Mikey and keep Maj in my opinion. Yeah,
3: I mean— Exactly. It just seems very hypocritical to me. I mean, and like you mentioned, there's one person who is literally threatening violence, which should be to me, I mean, if if there's any reason to ban somebody, that would be it. Mikey yeah. has never done anything like that, so it just doesn't it See, seems really inappropriate really to ban me. him.
1: Is that Mikey is accused of interfering with a Jitsi conference that they were having where I
3: mean so? If Even if he did. Uh- I mean, it's not a cool thing to do, but but
1: there's no no evidence evidence to suggest that he's did. Hold on. Dennis is just operating on a hunch here. He has absolutely no evidence. He just thinks it was Mikey because later on, Mikey joined the meeting. And that—that's literally the extent of the evidence that he has, and that's the justification for the ban. And that's the part that I'm like, man, it's grasping at a shred of evidence for this. It's really grasping at straws.
4: That's—that's not the real reason why Mikey was banned. Like he could say that that's the reason, but I think that the real reason was because Mikey got under his skin, uh, you know, and so he wanted to find something to get him. And so it's like, oh, look, now I have a reasonable suspicion.
5: Visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you.
1: We do have Law Dog on the line from Michigan. Law Dog, you're on Free Talk Live.
5: You guys aren't going to prison.
1: No, I'm literally going to prison.
5: No, yeah. no. Appeal. You guys can appeal till January
1: 25th. Are uh, I already 20? got sentenced. Yeah. I... I have already been sentenced. I was sentenced to prison. I could appeal the sentence, but it's not going to delay the enforcement of the sentence and the sentence would likely be served by the time I was actually in a courtroom arguing to appeal the sentence. So no, well, I You guys
5: got a you guys got a reasonable governor up there in Sununu and uh, you know, I this both the of feds DeSantis uh, or Trump uh, they'll they'll pull the trigger for you. I you I, I, I think you got to I think so. got to have the two thirds to get
1: um, Desantis uh, is one hundred percent. Desantis might pardon Eden
2: Ian. No, Desantis would replay my video where I was like, Desantis is literally a torturer, and then he wouldn't.
1: But when you say, "Okay, we also have this tranny here," Desantis is going to no increase DeSantis. Desantis is not pardoning no, no, de- anyone. No, please listen. Please listen. I'm an old man. Just keep doing what you're doing, okay,
5: and you'll make a difference. I mean, RFK is making a difference today when he went down to the wall
1: there. naming candidates. Okay, look, I get that, LawDog, but I want you to understand that I'm literally, in 20 days, on June the 27th, at 2 p.m., I will literally be taken into the custody of the U.S. Marshals and put into the Bureau of Prisons.
2: She took a plea deal, so she can't appeal except on very... Uh, s- small chance circumstances and they wouldn't come up until after the serve.
5: They had you, They area, they had you. I Are I, you just not learning I that I took a plea deal? They, they, they had you, they had you at 10 years and you, uh, plea deal 18 months. That's, you know, that's what you had a pretty good lawyer, didn't you?
1: I had a fantastic lawyer. I have absolutely no complaints with the lawyer, but yeah, it was worse than yeah. 10 months that I was into, ending up possibly facing. It was three charges of money laundering, Conspiracy to commit money laundering, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, and four counts of wire fraud, as well as conspiracy to operate an unlicensed money transmitting business. I was facing as many charges, in, or maybe more, I don't remember now, in the in, in the second indictment that Ian faced during the first indictment. And this, this fact got completely lost on the Libertarians in New Hampshire because Ian also went from like nine charges to 35. Four, mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly, or twenty something. I don't remember how many charges it was, but he got a lot of charges too. But because he got more, they just completely glossed over the fact that I was suddenly facing pretty much exactly the same stuff that Ian was facing prior. That that huge big deal that they were worried about, you know, that was what was faced on me the second time following the second indictment, where Ian's got escalated even more, and they were just like, oh yeah, but Ian, 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 Ian right. And it's like, I, I understand that. I have no issue with that. But it sucks to be that thief crucified beside Jesus, right? If, if, if I'm going to you know go to trial and go to prison, I'm, I don't think it's unreasonable to want my share of the attention. <laughs> and and to be fair, this is not at Ian at all. Ian, Ian was always quick to point out, you know, this is the Crypto 6. There's five other people here, guys. But the Liberty activists. We're fixated entirely on Ian from the very beginning, and that never changed.
5: Well, he's a hero. He's yeah, going absolutely, he's a hero. Yeah, no
1: doubt, no doubt yeah, about that. You're
5: going to go down as a hero no, because, I, I, you know, things, things are, things are going to turn. the The, the crap's going to hit the fan, and uh, uh, our diaper our dandy number forty sucks. He oh, I around much longer okay. i think he, he
2: said socks
1: he, his brain is fried. <laughs> he did he he says someone's name so it did not sound like someone's name but. i
2: thought yeah I thought he said something else at first but no, I think he yeah. said mr 40 socks
1: yeah yeah I mean oh oh uh 46 maybe
5: and I don't just, even use his name oh I got a new name for him the day
2: oh because 45 was Trump, right? I'm okay.
1: confused.
2: I, I, oh, he's like, just like naming yeah. the names of politicians at this oh, point. He said six,
1: but he's from Mo-ba, Michigan. Mobuté, uh,
5: Mobuté. Yeah, day. yeah. I, I he's got he's to gotta have a bidet because of the his depends the diapers are uh, full every day.
3: Ah, uh, yeah. And now I'm picking up what you're putting down.
1: I mean, I absolutely agree. He go. is a hero, and he's going to be respected for this, and he's going to go down in history as the one who fought this and took it to the end, and I think ultimately he won because the road to the appeal is long. Right. That's a multi-year process. And as I as I've heard, he's going to be allowed to remain free. He's likely to be allowed to remain free during that time, which is fantastic news because I expect him to win the appeal. Mm -hmm. And so much is going to happen in that two year period with the U.S. government's collapse, the collapse of the USD. They're not going to have the money to pursue these spurious nonsensical charges they're going to go broke once the usd is no longer the reserve currency of the world which is already fast being replaced by brics and you know the agreement between russia and china Once that happens, the U.S. government's going to find that it can't pay its bills, that it can't continue paying this many prosecutors to pursue this many B.S. charges. And it's going to have to start cutting its losses and picking and choosing which things it wants to fight. And Ian Freeman in New Hampshire, who sold some Bitcoin, is not going to be high on their priority list. And they're going to say, fine, you win. We're done. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's your name? I'm him, Brian. Hi, Brian. What's on your mind tonight?
6: Hey, I just wanted to continue our debate. Uh, got off on, uh, I guess, the wrong foot, but I was uh, debating guys on uh, libertarian principles.
1: I was, uh, at, at it was that when moment, he said we I were bragging
2: about how principled we were, and then he Is went stop talking and I cussed at him. Oh,
1: okay.
6: Yeah, I just don't like uh, you guys bragging about a principle that's just so ridiculous.
2: Okay, well, let's let's get this one rule down. You're talking to three people, so when one person answers, that's not answering for me. You don't get to just go, okay, now, since you all think that, I'm going to start talking again for 45 minutes. It's just not how it works. You're not talking to one person. You're talking to three. You might not get 30 minutes to just monologue. I'm just going to referee
1: this one, though. I'm, I'm going to speak as little as possible.
2: So what's your question? Yeah.
1: I
6: wasn't monologuing. I was addressing each one's point. But when someone makes a point, I can't. Uh, I can't listen to three points and then go back. You
2: can. And... It's our show. You're talking to people. No, uh, show with three people, so you can. So, so well, what's on your mind tonight, Brian? Um,
6: it was I, the red-haired girls that uh, that I, we were talking about her definition. Then you you interjected
1: with.
2: I didn't interject. I had to something with... to say about it, Why and I, I was talking bridge. before you. And my position
1: she's on definition. She's interrupting again. My position on definitions has changed drastically in the last 48 hours where I no longer find any value in them whatsoever. I I I think it's important to have a
2: definition in a conversation. Not the only definition you're allowed to use a word for, but if you're trying to say something to me and I don't understand what you're trying to say, then we can't have a conversation about it. But not. I'm not going to talk to you if Uh, you can't have someone else talking for one second on this show.
6: Okay, so I'm okay with you presenting your own definition if you don't agree with hers, but you got to let me—
2: I don't care what you're okay with. Addre-
6: Go you going to you a chick or what?
2: <laughs> okay, so yeah, well, you I haven't actually this. asked a question yeah, yet.
6: <laughs> yeah, I, I, all, all you've done so far time. is, like, complain. Okay, so every definition—it's uh, okay if you you can present your own definition. Just wait for me to address hers. I'm fine with that, but I can't listen to three different ones. Oh, my God, Remember we've already talked one.
2: about this. You're Just ask a question. Yeah. I don't know what definition you're talking yeah. about right so, now because okay, that was so over a week ago.
6: Okay, so let's go back to her definition. and then, Of well,
2: what?
1: And
6: the, again, you wanted to stick with the the, the strict definition of non-aggression? Oh, hold on, Brian, so because we're the, already
1: back to definitions again, and if you want to use my definition, I have to object. To, I, I want to mostly referee this, but you can't point to my definition then because— I don't find any value in definition anymore. That's not the way humans categorize and classify things. We have internal prototypes.
6: how are you supposed to build on a, a foundation of principles if you if you don't want to establish a definition?
1: I'm trying. I'm literally explaining to you right now, if you would stop and interrupting and listen, exactly how this works. You must categorize things based on internal prototypes that we develop through our entire lives. Like, if I were to ask you, what is a table? You might try to define a table, but you don't ever actually... If I were to ask you whether or not something is a table, you don't refer to the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary or the Oxford English Dictionary to determine whether or not that thing is or isn't a table.
2: I think we're saying basically... You, exactly compare, hold on.
1: you compare it. mentally to what you un- internally understand a table to be. Pointing to the definition, no. yes, you literally do. That's how humans classify things. Pointing to a definition from Merriam-Webster no. or the Oxford English Dictionary is completely useless, and it's just a tool that people use no when they has... think they're right and the definition agrees with them. To bludgeon other people over the heads. I gotta
2: say that you know, I, totally I. not.
1: Oh, jeez.
2: I just have. I, to, I, I just can have to say it? something because it's I'm it's not more not intelligent not than what's ever going to come come out of your mouth.
6: Can you can you just wait for me to reply to that? Okay, because because in, in any debate you can establish any definition and accept that for the purposes of a debate.
2: And what's contrary you to say, you there, you're, you're, you're not saying say, anything oh, contrary to what Aria is saying. And, and the reason I'm talking over yeah, you is because yeah, like you're he, just he, everything you say yeah, is so dumb. Did. So the he, thing he, about he, it is Arya's not saying on, anything on, contrary Brian. to that because I be, I believe that it's not very useful to be like technically you're wrong because there's this one word in the Merriam-Webster dictionary that says that. I argue with Ian all the time about things, and then he'll be like, according to the internet, this is what it means. And I say, Ian, it doesn't matter. Me and you both know this is what it means. And you can even sometimes go back and find out the original Greek meaning of the word is what everybody knows it means, and it's been since changed. So just because something's in the Merriam-Webster dictionary doesn't mean a thing. But I also got to agree a little bit with the caller in saying that if you're having a conversation, you you both have to establish that you're talking about the same things it doesn't matter what someone de- declared is the definition of it
1: right and that's obviously true however the caller seems to want to have some extensive conversation about what the definition of something is and i want to get that out of the way from the beginning that i don't care what the definition is i don't think it's relevant to the discussion Go A- ahead, and i Brian. would agree
6: yeah, so how how can you brag about being principled if you don't even have a definition of your principles?
1: Because I have a prototype in my head of what a libertarian is, and I compare myself yeah, and other people to that prototype. And the closer they are to that prototype, the more principled they are. Like, I literally just explained to you. Sarah, who turned down all of the advances from, I think, Bobby in Florida and oh. Ricky in Pennsylvania. Dude, it was weird.
3: What, last night? Yeah. I need more information on this. <laughs> no,
1: yeah.
7: That's... Yeah, I'm just not interested. you know I'm 53 years old and you know I don't have time to be wasting on men. I'm just I just don't care. I don't need a, a lot of headache. I'm, I'm already living here with Richard. That's enough headache. I got my handful just putting up with him. so that's enough.
1: Yeah, fair enough. So. What's on your mind tonight, Sarah?
7: <laughs> yeah so I'm just excited that actually we have uh, we got federal grant money. To help uh, a course, which is the state highways going through Albuquerque, more pedestrian and bicycle <sighs> um, safe. So, it's the I'm thing
2: deciding, that uh, you called but, in about this before, and it has a name, right, Sarah? What's the program's name?
7: Uh, th- I think there, the, there is no exact program because this is a new construction, like two miles of it. And they're supposed to narrow, it's like a three-car lane. They're going to narrow it down to two lanes each. They're going to reduce the speeding limit because they're going to narrow the road, take out the lane, and put in a sidewalk and have a guarded bicycle lane. I don't know what that means. Why do you care about this,
1: I
2: would hate that if I was driver there. Well,
7: I mean, no, because they want a freeway. Either way, they want three car lanes. Why are they going to narrow it down to one or two? Well, if they needed three
2: lanes, they needed three lanes. They wouldn't build another lane if it wasn't needed. And the idea of—I've never heard of a downsizing of lanes of a road. And this idea is making me infinitely angry.
1: Sarah, why are you excited about this?
7: because well, 'cause I'm I have to cross these streets. I have to walk on these sidewalks. You cross the highway no sidewalk. No, this is this is uh um, this is just a um, like a speed limit of 40, 40 minutes. it's a road that people have could I, cross. Oh, okay. This is not the interstate. Okay.
1: But you when they, when you they, literally okay. crossed this highway this road, right? You cross this street?
7: Uh I don't live that way. I have I have so, crossed no, this no. street before here and there and it was ruthless. I mean it's just they think they're on the freeway. I don't know if it's a three car lane each, and they're going to reduce it down to two. So, Sarah, know. this isn't going
1: to affect your life at all, right? Yes, it does. But you don't yes, you yes, don't cross does, this but, high, you don't cross this street.
7: Well, I have crossed it many several times. Oh, when okay. I was going, There was a Cottonwood Mall.
1: How many uh, times in your then, life? How many times in the twenty three years as a pedestrian in New Mexico do you think you've crossed this street?
7: Course, maybe about ten
2: times or ten or twelve times, and it's only they're doing so doing one, one two every miles. two years.
1: And this exciting? And you don't you? live by that, like
2: side that side of town anymore, so yeah, I, I moved from uh, that side of the. But but the whole. When idea was the
1: last time was, that you crossed this street? Then. Um. Uh, well, they're only doing two miles of it. On top of okay, this. they're so not doing the whole street. I like, asked a not doing really eight simple miles of question. <laughs> When was the last time that you crossed this street?
7: Maybe about six months ago. Okay, there's a mall
1: close by. Okay, not as far away as I would have expected. She moved in
2: six months though.
1: Oh, did she? She moved to
2: a townhouse. Ah, yeah. Sarah, I love how you know all these details
3: about Sarah's
7: life. (laughs) I'm trying
1: to understand why you care so much about this garbage. Like, why?
7: Okay, why do I care about this? Well, because the thing is, it's. Okay, so they don't wanna do they don't wanna get after driver behavior. Because like red light cameras, if you penalize a driver, but Sarah, you don't cross they, this they...
1: street. The libertarian drama is actually like critical to us here on the show because we know all of the people involved and and maybe you don't care but, but I suspect a lot of libertarians out there do in fact care about it And every this show's different.
2: Thing. It's not like yeah. Free Talk Live is about pork fest drama now from now on. No, really good points, but
1: if you want to talk about liberty, you can call in and do that. But we talked about other stuff. So we talked about UFOs earlier. We talked about music. And then my, uh, Seven called to talk about Mikey. But we talk about a number of topics. To me, it would be dull to just have a show where all we do is talking about liberty. And how, this is how liberty matters to me. Like, like it's an AA meeting where we're taking turns standing up and saying what liberty means to us or whatever. <sighs> That's I'm not going to do that. That's not what the show is. And that to me is dull. I don't define myself by my political views, right? I'm a libertarian, yes, but that's not the focal point of my existence. I'm not a libertarian because I'm obsessed with liberty as an idea. I'm a libertarian because I want to be free to do what I want to do, which is why I'm okay with talking about music or video games or whatever, because I'm not define I don't define my entire personality. By being a libertarian, there's a lot of libertarians that I can think of who all of their efforts, they don't seem to have any hobbies. They're like Sarah and how obsessed she is with pedestrians and vehicles. Well, imagine what would Sarah do if vehicles just vanished from the earth tomorrow and there were no more vehicles? right?
2: Everyone was a pedestrian. Then no one's a pedestrian.
1: Right. And suddenly everyone's a Everyone's a pedestrian. No one's driving anywhere. This thing that has consumed Sarah and has, defined, has occupied her brain for all of her waking hours for the last 20 years, is now completely meaningless. This is my concern with a lot of libertarians who are ultra-fixated on the state, and all they want to do is talk about liberty and the government and why police are bad, because they they become they come to need the government to continue exist, because it's become something that defines them. Antagonism to the government is what defines them. If the government just goes away, then they can't... They can't talk about how bad the police are or how bad the IRS is or anything else. Cause those things have gone away and they've got nothing left to fill in those gaps. Well, I me, mean, I've still got music and video games and a dog and cats and all kinds of stuff that I can use to fill in the gaps. And I think this is the value the free talk live has by not being a show where you just call in and talk about Liberty and what it means to you or whatever. Right. Instead we're, We have interests outside of libertarianism and outside of resisting the state. And we want to be free to pursue those things. The problem is that the state isn't letting us pursue those things. And I feel like a lot of the libertarians get lost and start becoming so focused on the state being in their way that they lose sight of the things they would otherwise. Like, why do you want liberty? If all you ever do is bitch about how bad the cops are and how bad the IRS is, what are you going to do with your freedom? Because you're not doing anything with the relative freedom you have now except complain about cops and the IRS. So if those things cease to exist, what do you have left? What are you going to do then?
2: Yeah, great well, point. I don't know many people that are, I don't think they have anything else going on in their lives. I mean, I'm not saying you don't, but I don't know many people like that specifically. But I think I, I get the opposite. Um, like people accuse that me of this all the time. That it's like all I talk about or whatever. But the thing about it is when the government is actively trying to destroy your life and all you want to do is be doing anything else, it kind of becomes a important focus in your life.
1: Certainly. And I mean, I'm about to go to prison for, you know, having a disagreement with the government about me trying to live my life. So I certainly get that. And it's true that everyone has some sort of interest that they do in their spare time or whatever, but. I fear that the role of libertarianism and resisting the government has become too big of a part of some people's lives and that in the absence and that they're going to find that they're dependent on the state to exist, to have any personality or hobbies or interests at all.
2: It does kind of seem that a libertarian who doesn't live in New Hampshire would want a show about nothing but like, you know, the Tom Woods type show, like here's how liberty works. Here's how uh, uh, Keynesian economics is wrong. That you would want that because it would fill in the gap of actually doing anything. Yeah, like, you right. would feel like, oh, I'm doing something because I'm learning this. Now. I, I, I got this, like, high of feeling so right right now. Well, I that's- think that's
3: a great point because in our, like, everyday lives off of the show, like, liberty is a huge piece of it living here in New Hampshire, you know? That's true. So it's, like, kind of like we're living what we're preaching. So sometimes it's like, yeah, I want to get on the show and I want to talk about metal and you know maybe pork fest which also kind of is a liberty thing to talk about because it's literally a freedom festival
2: yeah like today when i was looking for show prep i just wasn't really interested in any of the news like i brought in show prep and i really wasn't that interested in it to be honest yeah
1: i mean i go to the news because you know i gotta do a show and i gotta have stuff to talk about but there is almost never it Interesting. I mean, it's always like Ron DeSantis this and yeah. Donald Trump that. Oh, it's gonna like, get so dude, bad. I don't care. I
3: mean, and a lot of the show prep I bring in is about health or yeah. like mental health or music, because those are the things I'm interested in. And I think stuff like health is an important thing to talk about because I mean that's an important aspect of freedom. Like yeah, exactly your vessel, like having a healthy body. You can't do anything with freedom if you're sick and you're either like you know you develop dementia or something where you can't use your brain or if you can't you know like move and you know so it's to me like that's like step one like the not the most important thing but I think it's very important to be aware of certain things that might be affecting your health so to me like I feel like that's an important thing to talk about psychologist says that listening to heavy metal lessens stress and promotes thinking. A New York-based clinician, uh, oh sorry, a New York-based clinical psychologist and therapist, Dr. Nicole Andrioli, has shared a clip explaining that that listening to heavy metal lessens stress, promotes critical thinking and gives listeners a way to process anger echoing research on metal music that has found
1: as much. I don't doubt any of that at all. Like One of my friends listens to pop and she loves Taylor Swift Mm -hmm. and she hates metal and rock and all the screaming. She's like, why are they yelling at me? I'm like, they're not yelling at you. They're yelling with you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) If you're angry, you get it. But if you're not, I guess you just don't get it.
3: Yeah, and I don't know if this is specific to heavy metal, like if the loudness and just the intensity of it kind of just brings out more than other genres of music, but I would say this... Any form of music that people enjoy. You know, if you're into pop music, like that might be a better genre. um, But I don't know. That was
2: the point I basically was going to make the same exact point. Like, I think any of those things could apply to the feelings I feel when I'm also just listening to pop music. I don't, I mean, the article might get into like
3: why it's specific to heavy metal. I don't know. I guess we'll find out.
1: Well, metal has this image with people of being angry and hostile and. Some metal maybe, but if you listen to most metal, it's usually pretty uplifting and positive. Like Marilyn Manson's lyrics are some of the most positive and uplifting things you can hear. (laughs) Also,
3: if you've ever been to a metal show, people there, you know, and like they might look scary because they're wearing black and maybe, you know, they have a mohawk or whatever stereotypes people might get from what heavy metal listeners typically look like. Yeah, But those are like the nicest people You'll, you know, I've been to a lot of different like music festivals and like some of the hippie festivals I went to, people are stealing and, Mm. and just that type of stuff. I typically don't see that at metal shows. Like typically it's like a really nice kind of wholesome type crowd. The only time I see,
1: you know, bad behavior at metal shows and, you know, I'm not lying here, I'm not exaggerating it's when like some redneck who likes metal is there and they're like throwing beer cans down and crap like they're chugging down beers and then slamming it yeah. down. I see that and it's always that particular type of guy who's mm. who's probably got a, a tattoo on his shaved head and he has probably done a lot of meth that day but I don't know man but he he's definitely a redneck and he's he's skinny and angry and it's just that type of person I've seen cause problems at metal shows, mm-hmm. but usually, yeah, most people are they're just there to have a good time, man, and that something about that musical genre binds us all together, brings us all together. Absolutely. So the doctor's informative
3: TikTok video has gone viral after she posted her explanation of as a stitch to another user's clip.
1: See, I love TikTok, man, and I recently had someone on Twitter say, well, first of all, the... V- person that you're quoting is a TikTok video, so I'm discarding it out of hand. I'm like, mm, yeah. That dude, that is such a boomer take. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh no, you so see you got this from Wikipedia? <laughs> oh no. I only accept Britannica or whatever. It's like yeah. you got this from a TikTok while you're getting all of your you know content from YouTube and Yeah. And or like a mass Gab media or yeah. something. Yeah. Like uh, come on And, man. and also media. like
3: no matter what platform this person is posting on she has a PhD. I don't always I don't hold as much weight in like academia as like probably most other people do. But I would say most people like the most people would agree that I mean she's a practicing psychologist and she has a PhD, so why does the TikTok why is TikTok the hang up on it, you know? Right. So the first video um, was from a girl who often shares antidotes relating to metal. In her video, she marvels on how she feels at total peace when listening to metal compared to other everyday activities such as being in public or at a store.
1: I mean, that that checks out completely. As someone who, again, listens to metal for like 12 hours a day at minimum sometimes, it's it's when I feel normal, yeah. I guess, right? Yeah. Like that's... If I could, I would have Bluetooth headphones and playing music like oh, yeah. right now. I mean, <laughs> that that would be impossible. I wouldn't be able to carry on a conversation. Yeah. I don't think, but you know, the, just if I could walk around in public wearing Bluetooth headphones listening to metal all the time, I absolutely would do it. Mm-hmm.
2: So, doctor- it's, I don't know. It's just like it's interesting to me because, like. I definitely, obviously, anytime we've talked about music on the show, I've said that I like pop the most, but then I get bored of it sometimes and listen to other genres. Anytime I listen to like rock and I want to like listen to any type of music that's like angry and I want to yell it or whatever, I don't feel at peace in that moment. I feel like adrenaline. I feel excited. I I feel like it it lifts me up. And then like maybe that gets it out of me and I feel peaceful. But in the moment, I think it definitely like. Yeah. Picks up my blood pressure. I wouldn't say that it makes me feel peaceful. Like I, I learned a lot of uh, metal from listening to Mark Passio's uh, podcast called "What on Earth is Happening." He has so many good intros and outros, and I was like, "What is this?" and I had to look it up. And I listen to that every now and then. Like I don't have like really favorite bands, more like favorite songs. And I just don't feel. I don't agree. I don't think that I listen while I am listening to that. I feel peaceful. I feel like yeah, f the system.